The views expressed in this podcast are solely those of the speaker. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not a substitute for professional medical advice from your own physician. Hello. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us, everyone. This is Renee Rosati, and we're going to do a podcast today on regenerative medicine in the lumbar facet joints. I'm recording this at the NAS conference in 2022 in Chicago, and my guest today is Reza Asanian, and he is currently a pain medicine fellow in the Department of Anesthesia at the University of New Mexico, but he has a lot of experience um, in research. He was a postdoctoral fellow at Stanford and then also at Vanderbilt University prior to his position now as a pain fellow. So I'm going to turn the microphone over to him, and he's going to tell us about whether or not we think that regenerative medicine procedures in the lumbar facet joints is a way of the future or not. Hi, Renee. Thanks for having me. Um, uh, Thank you for coming to our talk today, too. So uh, as you mentioned, I've done a lot of research before. So one of the things I like about research is that it expands our knowledge base. But um, if you know research methods, you can also spot um, studies that might otherwise kill procedures that are a benefit to our patients. So our talk today was about the potential uses of uh, PRP in the facet joint. Um, My presentation was for a lot of different indications, but I felt like the facet joint could be uh, an indication for regenerative medicine that's uniquely positioned for research. Okay, so tell us maybe what kind of patient selection criteria we would need if we wanted to decide to give a patient PRP in their facet joints. So the exciting thing about um, facet pathology is that it has a great patient selection process already built in. As you know, medial branch blocks are a way that we can choose patients for radiofrequency ablation. We can use that patient selection criteria to um, implement regenerative medicine like PRP. And in that case, if PRP doesn't work, you already have something in your pocket that you can do afterwards, like an RFA. And if you want to design a real-world study, you can randomize people into PRP injections or um, RFAs. So it sounds like maybe you would propose trying a PRP facet injection prior to actually ablating the, the medial branches. Of course. The other positive thing about that is currently uh, insurance companies are um, shying away from approving um, uh, facet joint injections themselves. That's off of some trials done by DJ Kennedy and others showing that facet joint injections with steroid actually don't work. So the only thing really left in this pathology is an ablative procedure with an RFA. And some people, especially physical therapists, are against that because it leads to um, atrophy of some of the muscles that support the spinal column. Now, right now, the PRP injections would be cash only. So it sounds like if a patient doesn't have the cash to pay for the PRP injection, then we would just advance on to the radiofrequency procedure. Well, um, not not necessarily. Um, I was just talking to another one of the speakers and there are Um, small research grants we can get. A lot of the issue with doing a big randomized control trial is if you pay for every arm of the trial, and if it's not part of your clinical practice, it gets very expensive. 
So if we do a real world study, as I was proposing in the, in the talk I gave, the only arm you would really have to pay for is doing the PRP injection. And that there are a lot of small societal grants that you can get to supplement the cost of the PRP. Okay, so it sounds like what you're advocating for is for more research studies that involve PRP injections and to not actually roll out PRP in the facet joints in everyone's practice worldwide right now. But you want more doctors in private practice or academics to try to start a study and attempt this PRP in the facet prior to RFA. Absolutely. The good thing about setting up um, such a trial is like I mentioned in the talk, if we have a standardized data collection method like common data elements that the NIH proposes and we have standardized outcome measure, measures that are at, in the NIH toolbox or the PROMISE toolbox, um, these are all NIH initiatives. So when you do start a study like that, not only was it, will it help the study, it'll help you better track your patients and if multiple centers use the same data collection methods and the same outcome methods, we can pool data together. Is there currently like um, a person to contact to collaborate about something like this? Um, not, not really, because uh, I was thinking about this two weeks ago when I put this talk together. And uh, right now, there, there's a lot of ways to get involved with research here at NAS. Um, there's a research committee that you can get involved with. Uh, at SIS, which is a society you're part of as well. Um, there's a research committee you can get involved with. But I, your question is a very good question. Is there a centralized area where a clinician who's not necessarily into putting in IRBs or organizing things can contact? No, but I think this is my first stop in a campaign to try to drum up support for it. Okay, great. Before we end, can you tell us a little bit about the research right now that's already out about whether or not PRP is effective in the facet joints? Yeah, this it's, it's a little disappointing and that's why I started my talk with, I'm a real proponent of regenerative medicine. The reason I um, switched into physical medicine and rehab was to get involved with regenerative medicine, especially in the spinal cord. Uh, for spinal cord injury, I was part of two clinical trials implementing human embryonic stem cells for spinal cord um, injury pathology. Uh, so I wanted the, the listeners to know that I wasn't attacking this uh, treatment modality. I'm actually a big proponent of it. Unfortunately, the studies done to date lead us to say that there's no definitive recommendation we can make for or against it. One of the problems are the studies are kind of sloppy. Um, patient selection uh, is, is not standardized, like I was saying. Even the injectate that people put in, PRP is not all PRP is the same. So there's no definition of that most of the time. And then the way they've delivered isn't the same. So that leads to level four evidence. And what level four evidence is one of the lowest levels that you can have. It's observational, it's not very good. And most of the reviews, I went over like four or five reviews, they all say more research is needed. But no one really sticks their neck out and puts out a plan. And that's why at the end of the talk, I put out a small roadway of what we can do because there's not good evidence for or really against it. 
Great. Well, thank you for encouraging us and telling us about what you're passionate about. If you guys want to learn about any other topics, please send us a message on Instagram at NASSpine. We'll be sure to find an expert speaker on the topic. Thanks for joining us today, Dr. Asanian. Thank you, Renee, for doing this.